This is a HeadGum Podcast. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, Halflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... Jeremy Cobb, but Emma Carlson from Blackwater D&D calls me Odiferous Shanks. Whoa. Yes. A nickname that is incredibly relevant because it's the nickname that I had when I was on... It's the character that I created when I was on their DM roulette, which you are just about to do tonight. I am doing that tonight. I'm waking up at 3.30 in the morning to do this. Uh, Yes. I am... Woohoo! I am strapping myself in. Uh, I have energy drinks at the ready. And then I have to go to a full-time job after that. And then an audition in London. Tomorrow is going to be a wild day. (laughs) But what is even more wild is, halflings, listen closely. We have finally completed the set. It is happening. It is here. It is right now. And I'm very, very excited to welcome our next guest onto Three Black Halflings. It is right. It is It is Brian Murphy from D20, DM of NADPOD. Welcome to Three Black Halflings, the last person from NADPOD. I'm How are finally you doing? here. I'm doing great. Yes. Yes. I'm doing pro wrestler poses. I'm 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 doing the rock style sniffing, <laughs> taking in the crowd. Uh, uh, Can you hold some energy drinks yeah, together? And slapping then, together and then, two monster energy drinks, pouring you, it. Yeah. The crowd have the crowd have handmade infinity gauntlets, and they're all adding <laughs> the final stone that says Murph on it. Each yes. one just looks like a member of Nadpod's face. <laughs> just all adding scarily realistic. Perfect <laughs> merch idea. Oh yeah, just. Uh, <laughs> It, they're not even they're not even different colors. It doesn't even look cool. It's just <laughs> no. really graphic images of our yeah. faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like slightly silicate as well. So yeah. they're a bit yeah. squidgy and just like flesh like oh. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're yeah. not stones. They're just weird models of your faces. That oh. Somebody yeah. Made. oh yeah, just little rubber faces on a gauntlet. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Uh, they smile. You like, and- you, I can make them talk when I make a fist. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with you and Jacob got the long hair right now. You're rocking the long hair. So it'd just be some hairy little. Yeah. Flesh- oh, anyway, we use some we real can- hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actual human yeah, hair. Actual human hair. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, disgusting. Um, absolutely uh, disgusting. Uh, but welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, having me. We are me. so excited to have you on. We have now had every single member of NADPOD on the show in some capacity, which is extremely exciting um, and uh, very excited to talk to you today. Oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragons. <laughs> Full prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> Let's make them even more black! Hey, glitches and bitches. Lands in the cusp of a teaspoon. Oh, no. On a nat 20. No. You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. We're about to get into something real big now. So, first place we always start. Um, is we always ask, what is your TTRPG origin story? 
So what is like the the first moment that a young Murph was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. Uh, this is gonna be my job. This um, is my thing. <laughs> uh, you know, I I didn't play that many TTRPGs. I guess like, uh, d- did you did you guys ever play Hero Quest? It, it was oh yeah, yeah. The, the the MMORPG or, or, yes yes, or yes. No, no that sorry that was that's EverQuest oh, I'm which City I of also played and I also played City of Heroes I was big into MMOs oh. for sure so that's that's definitely part of it but there was there was this game called Hero Quest that um I think actually they're coming out with a new one it's like super cool it was this like this game that uh I think back in the day it was like fifty bucks or something which for a board oh, game yeah, was like insane. So I only had yeah. I only had one friend who had it, and it's kind of a a, a DM's dream now because it comes with just like like fifty minis of like you get like an entire adventuring party, you get all of their stats, and um, you get all of these like minions and stuff, and then somebody acts as like essentially the dungeon master, and it's like basically D and D light. Um, so I played that game and I loved it, and but I wasn't around ttrpgs really like i didn't know anybody playing D growing up so we would m- sort of make up games like we uh me and my friends made a dragon ball z game that was like based on the hero quest thing a little bit where we would like oh, that's <laughs> sick. we would use yes. the board we would use the board and then you would go into different rooms and there was like a deck of cards that would like decide who you fought in the room and your attacks were based on your power level. So we'd have a calculator there. It would be like, well, my power level is 5,000. So I, th- I th- my kick does 10% of my power level. So if you're sitting there and doing, it's like very, very crunchy. But it was, uh, I don't know, sort of a fun way for us to live in those worlds and everything. And um, mm. do like sort of mm-hmm. a pen and paper version of, of video games. Um, and then I didn't play D&D until uh, we met Brennan. Um yeah. Uh, at a party, th- this at this point would have been like five or six years ago, uh, mm. and it, that was sort of the proto D twenty. It was like a lot of the D twenty crew it was me, Siobhan, Zach, Emily, and uh, a couple other of our friends um, uh, played with Brennan. And as soon as I played it, I was like, "Oh, this is like the better version of what I was trying to do <laughs> when I was a child." <laughs> I think oh, I, yeah sick. I think I had a very similar experience I remember making uh I would I would run a game at lunchtime uh during like secondary school which I think is high school for you guys yeah. um mm. where I would like um tape uh, pieces of A4 paper together and draw I drew this huge map and I basically made a version of like um i'm trying to think of like a like total war or like yeah. conquest oh, kind nice. of like that kind of thing uh but i would allow everyone to like make their own army and i would decide what like uh, abilities they had and then every and then basically what would happen is everyone would come to me one by one uh over lunchtime so that no one knew what like the other moves people other people would do i mean the system was a mess it definitely wasn't fair <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, like, right, so, yeah. like one dude had like a dragon army and he just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> just because he flew and could breathe fire and like it was like it was so unbalanced. Yes, but yes. Now we had some wild fun doing that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, else. dude. Yeah, I think I, I can definitely. Uh, uh, I, I definitely get that. Like, oh, I'm gonna take it and make it into something that, like, I want to play. And I think that was be- that my version of that for sure. Yeah, that's. Uh, it, it, it's it's funny that that it, that you had kind of the same experience. I think that there are a lot of kids that have that experience of being like, no game is capturing what mm. kind of we want to do so let I, and I, I think there's more options now 
But yeah. back in the day, it's like if you wanted to play some kind of TTRPG, you kind of had to play Dungeons and Dragons or something. It was very hard to find. Like I like this property. Like I want to play Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. as a paper as a game. I'm pretty sure I could just look up online right now. There'd be 50 versions of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, 100%. Uh, but back then, yeah. you know, we couldn't we couldn't do that. Yeah, mm. I, for me, it was we didn't even have a game. We didn't even use numbers. We just <laughs> we had a friend who was a really good artist. Uh, shout out to Donald and me and my other two friends, uh, Chris and Taylor, would ask Donald to draw our characters that we made up, like our superhero characters. So we'd be like, "What would your power be?" We were like seventeen, uh, but we, <laughs> 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 we had these elaborately described superhero oh. characters because uh, we all liked comic books and comic book characters. So Donald was really good at comic book art, and he would draw them all. It was like, "Oh yeah!" And then we just I, we. I guess sit separately and imagine them yeah and just look at them what if what if i could do something with this yeah yeah and then the thing is i feel like me and my friends probably would have tried to do that but it would have devolved into yeah but teleportation is stupid like (laughs) we'd have just ended up spending ages worrying about the mechanics is it really you though like who you reappears is it like you die every time you teleport and then assemble a new you that just thinks it was the old you that is exactly it. That it's is the ship exactly of Theseus, it. man. Give me my lunchbox. <laughs> the ship. Okay, that definitely wasn't getting mentioned in my <laughs> secondary school. If the ship of Theseus came up, I'd have been like, duh, what? Um, so, um, I've. It's so funny. I think like we've, we we we're we're kind of piecing together parts of this uh, this uh, this epic party. This like this like once in a because I think Zach gave us like some details and then uh, so it's quite an, it's quite a fun thing to be like oh imagine this it's like becoming the holy grail of TTRPGs. I, this one party where the D twenty crew met. Like, yeah, it was quite like amazing. it's it's it was literally the first time I hung out with. Brennan like I've I don't know if I've ever really hung out with Brennan outside of D&D because because even because <laughs> even if we went and hung out and got coffee today we would still talk about D&D so it doesn't yeah. like that will always that is be exactly how I feel about Jeremy it's exactly <laughs> like no matter how hard uh, we try I guarantee you we would I longer than 10 minutes I don't think it'd be possible yeah what about you and Brennan how how long do you reckon you'd go before the conversation naturally it would literally be instant because he would he would show up and I'd be like, what's going on? And there would be something going on with D&D. Definitely. <laughs> be like, just yeah. got back from this millionth stream that I've done and this thing. And I'd be like, oh, cool. How'd that go? We just did the finale. We would just talk. That's just, it's just what yeah. it is, you know? Um, yeah. Um, well, you, you you nearly mentioned it there. But uh, so you just completed the finale of your second campaign. Yes. Um, which is incredibly well done. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Uh, you do uh, much longer campaigns than we do. And, like, I mean, that's a whole, a whole uh, big old thing. So uh, we'll, we'll do this little back to front this question. How was the finale? And then we'll ask you about the sort of creation of, of the show and everything. Uh, How did that all go, rounding the story off the yeah, second time? Uh, it ended up going really well. I was kind of trying, it, it was tough going into it because, like, you know, when we do these long campaigns, there's all this anticipation, like, a lot of people as campaign two started there's 
all these comparisons to campaign one where people are at times literally being like, well, I don't know about this because in episode 10 of campaign one, they were here, but in episode 10 of campaign two, you're here. And I'm like, it's never gonna, I'm not going to do the exact same thing twice. That would be terrible. We don't like, we can't have, imagine if you just took your notes, if I just did different towns, but the same thing, just reskin. Yeah. Yeah. Just literally this, the same thing, but different. A Mahub. You just call it a Mahub in the, uh, in the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, this, so this one ended up being a little shorter. Um, and as I was going into the finale, I was like panicking a little bit because it was like the first one was a hundred episodes. This one was forty episodes. So I was like, how do we make without it being something where like gods are coming down out of the sky and throwing meteors? Mm. How do we make it special? And the way we're able to do that. Spoiler alert: If you haven't heard. Uh, uh, our second campaign, uh, but we were able to bring um, Lou back, uh, and we did uh, the two uh, parties because we had um, yeah uh, the Hexblood Centurions arc with Lou. Yeah. So we did two boss fights at the same time, uh, where we cut back and forth, but it was all one initiative. So it'd be like on this person's initiative, we cut to that setting. Uh, so it was very complicated and kind of hard to plan, but uh, ended up sort of safely landing the plane, which like. As soon as we finished with all that, I just like went to bed and then woke up the next day and just drank bourbon and did nothing and like Yes. And oh my god, that sounds like my perfect like two days. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like su- such an epic session that all I can do tomorrow is drink bourbon. Yeah. I'm just like I'm just to gonna wake up and I I have to be That'll be it. I can't do anything, yeah. <laughs> I think I would wake up just check the files are all there then i think i'd start like i think i'd have to just do that bit first right before i you know what because i'd worry about that all day i think oh i do too yeah because i I try to like um i i try to stay out of the comments uh not not just because like you know i think like uh uh i'm sensitive i think a lot of people are like sensitive if you get like one Mm. criticism you're sitting there being like Oh, I don't care how much praise I get. This one's really, yep. really sticking in there. This one's really yeah. going to ruin my weekend. Um, yep. Uh, so I try to stay out of it a little bit, but then also because I don't want it to shift the way that like I run the game. I don't want it to like take over. I don't want it to be like in the back of my head. Um, mm. But I always have to check the comments after the episode posts just like the initial thing just to make sure people aren't like hey did anyone else think it was weird that at an hour and a half uh there was just 15 minutes of silence and then it just cut to a different episode and uh <laughs> yeah. you could just hear murph eating a pizza and drinking bourbon in the background <laughs> yeah, yeah luckily we get tweeted occasionally being like yeah. hey, hey guys uh, uh, <laughs> Just so you know, you you fade out at 40 minutes and then come back real loud (laughs) at like 52. And I was like, oh, God. There was an episode recently where it was just Unati talking for like five minutes, but their audio was gone. Their audio was gone. So it was just me going, hmm. Yeah, mm, indeed. Uh-huh. No, I yes. totally agree. For like ten minutes straight, and it just well, seems like yeah. some weird <laughs> bit that you're doing. Yeah. yeah the, at least the good thing is, like, uh, like you know, as an American, you have like an enthusiastic. Like, I feel like as a British person, I do quite a, like subdued. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. So I feel like it would have been a lot more weird. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, at least with you, it was clear. It was like, yes, I agree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas with me, it just be like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. It'd be like some weird ASMR thing where it's like, what the hell? Right. And, they put out. and I'd be like, Cold, well, you fucking moron. 
<laughs> yeah, literally, for like with no context yeah. whatsoever. Um, I was curious, uh, actually, um, going into this season, because obviously your approach was uh, to to Eldermorn has been really, really different to your approach to Bohemia. Yeah. What were some of the things that you were trying to change? Maybe not without without going to, into too many specifics in case a person hasn't actually right. heard it, but in terms of how you were approaching the two campaigns as a DM. Um. I think that this campaign, I was doing a little bit more uh, world building as far as being like, of, of planning out like truly like what does this like continent look like and what are the different factions and everything. Whereas first campaign, we kind of stumbled into that where it was literally be like I was laying the track down as we were going where I... I had like the name of the world Bohemia and stuff. And I think I had the name of a couple other places and I had like ideas, but it, it would literally be like, they're in this town. Cool. I have this town built. Uh, mm -hmm. Last episode, mm -hmm. I come up with a reason for them to leave that town. Next town, I build that town. And so it was like very piece by piece by piece. Um, but this one, I went into it trying to do a little bit more world building. And then kind of the bigger thing I think is, I was also trying to get away from what we did in campaign one, which is uh, uh, to have the characters like in a in a place for we had a format of like they're in us in a spot for like 10 episodes. They like help out uh, with some like problems around town that feeds into the larger story. So I was like, we have to do a little something different. So this one's a little bit more of like an odyssey. It's like people they're they're essentially chasing like the chosen one and trying to get to her before the bad guys can get there. Um, which mm. actually I hadn't, I hadn't expected that to mean that it kind of had to be a short campaign. I, I basically realized like 30 episodes in, I'm like, they have to get to this girl at some point. I can't keep <laughs> pushing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't yeah. keep moving it away. Whereas with the first campaign, it was a little easier to stretch it. Cause it could just be like, oh, well they, then they go to the next town. And then there's yeah. new problems in the next town. And this one was very much like they're still meeting people along the way. They're still doing stuff there. But it is this like, um, you know, it, 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 it uh, pulls a lot from like the Witcher and stuff and like uh, mm -hmm. Geralt uh, chasing after yes. uh, trying to get to Ciri. That's kind of uh, where where this idea started. So they're they're trying to get to this uh, Emily's character's childhood friend. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes. Yeah, so that was sort of the like difference in the adventure arcs is this one's more of like a they don't necessarily spend a lot of time in one town they go they get a little bit of information and then they move on to the next thing uh so it's paced mm -hmm. way different but then i quickly realized i was like this has to end like now because they have to <laughs> yeah. find her because yeah. it's just the one goal like that i think that's one of the big differences is like in bohemia the plot sort of arose around them as they were going yeah uh mm -hmm. whereas with this it was like well we're going in with this this is what we're trying to do right so there's only a certain amount of time that you can prolong them doing I, the thing they're trying to yeah. do yeah and i and i think there's there's such a uh, fun contrast of uh, of play styles because I think that uh, and this is like a, a I think a good uh, point that refers to like if you're a larger DM there's like you know if you're a, a, D a DM who is like DMing home or whatever like there are like I feel like those are two kind of very 
uh, two of the part of big tent poles, if you will, of like how you want to run a campaign, which is like, do you want your players to feel like the absolute center of the world in which like the world is reacting to them? And, you know, they're kind of uh, uh, figuring, uh, you, you know, you're kind of figuring it out with them, um, but you kind of give them this like heroes, like, like almost like a classic hero's journey. Yeah. Or do you want to do like the other way around, which is like, uh, which is typically the way that I've enjoyed doing stuff. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Eldermorn for this reason was like, I love the idea of being like there is an entire world and ecosystem going on around these people and they're trying to affect their will on the world instead of the world trying to affect its will on them yeah. like if they just sat down stayed in a cottage and did nothing like the world would carry on and maybe bad things would happen maybe good things would happen and who knows yeah um it's like somebody else would the other version yeah. yeah somebody else would still achieve like some of the goals like there's still other good guys mm -hmm. out there like doing yeah. stuff so like <laughs> yeah. maybe some other people would come up in a few years and like solve the thing mm. but like yeah i think i i think uh that was kind of the goal is to like make them very important but not the center of the universe uh mm. because i think in mm. the in the first campaign since i'm you know laying it all out as it goes it is very much like the world is built around them um which mm. i think i think doing it both ways has it has its advantages and Perfectly disadvantages valid. yeah and, yeah 100 percent that also allowed you, though, to jump uh, over and do the Hexbloods arc, which you really, I don't think it would have hit quite the same in Bohemia, where, like, right. everything's about these people. It's like, oh, well, why are we taking a break to go pay attention to these people over here? Whereas the Hexbloods was amazing. It was like, oh, oh not only are do we have our core people over here uh, on this task, we have, like, all these characters, some of whom we've heard referenced before. We're now mm. jumping over there and seeing what they're up to. And it's like, oh, dang. It made the world feel much bigger and much lived in, much more lived in. It also really worked with the idea of having like a living, breathing world uh, that was running separately from the players. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I and we got to do that too with um uh that that was another situation where M threw me for a loop. Uh, was there's uh, uh without getting too too specific, there's basically like a a zombie rebellion. There's like all these awakened zombies. And one uh, is part of this uh, like uh, rebel group and they're about to be like executed by this like kind of evil empire. And the purpose of this character was to give like a brave speech to sort of uh, indicate that there was this like uh, unrest going on. Um, but then they were going to die. But instead, Emily grabbed him and dimension doored. And, and, <laughs> and so that threw me for a loop. So I was like, well, what do we do here? Well, now we're going to dive into it. So then we got to create new characters again. Mm -hmm. And the party was mm -hmm. split. Um, and that allowed us to, um, once again, instead of it just being this like one core party, we got to meet characters that were like in this kind of rebellion and they got to kind of solve their own problems as opposed to it being just like ah the the magical trio shows up and uh <laughs> solves everything yeah i i do i just to backtrack slightly though Murph, i feel like you uh you can't be like the victim in this like you of all people should know that if emily axford has a chance yep, yep, to yep, yep, yep. mess with all of your shit <laughs> she absolutely will and will do it very very well i thought i was uh, we found that out a couple times in outlaws and all oh this, i'm and sure it's amazing yeah she's she's a paladin in that so that's a problem oh, yeah that's it's, a problem and it gets it, it gets paladin -y. so many crits <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so, would, she had like two crits in a row yeah. in one battle. Mm -hmm. where it was just mm -hmm. like, wow. Emily, yeah, Emily talks. Emily talks to me about like builds and strategies that she has to quote fish for crits. 
she's like, here's how here's how I can get the most crits possible. And she talks about fishing for crits. Uh, fishing for crits. But she's so wow, good at it. But in that particular moment, I thought I might get away with it because um, there it, it uh, Nadpod is pretty heavily edited. If if somebody like brings up a suggestion, unless it's like very much in character and it's like part of like the scene of like the characters kind of strategizing, I tend to cut it. Like if somebody's just sitting there being like, "Oh, I've got a spell for this," ah, uh, nah, never mind, I cut it. Um, Man, half of half of me in an episode would get completely not more than half. <laughs> all, <laughs> literally, like, half all me. <laughs> half of half of us get cut. We cut like I, I mean, we'll have an episode that's you know raw three hours, and then the episode is you know hour and forty five minutes, two hours. Mm. Um, but mm. there was a lot of raw audio of M trying to figure out how to save this dude and like oh, start damn. a fight. And then at a certain point, she uh, just decided, like, whatever, I'll just uh, dimension I'll just, door and I'll just dimension we'll figure door. it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Here's, so I think one of the things that uh, springs to mind for me, and I think this one is uh, potentially pertinent to any DMs out there, uh, especially if they're aspiring to uh, do a show or to, or even just to try, to try and bet themselves as DMs, is like, how was the experience of doing something a bit more kind of curated, I guess? Because I'm, I'm, that's kind of the impression that I get is with this second campaign. I know that we've had that with Outlaws and Obelisks is like, you know, you kind of step in, you're thinking to yourself, how do you step this up? And how do you kind of craft the, the, the story and and, and really find these like you know like you said these kind of way uh, waypoints and and make it a, a possible to do these little kind of like uh, side uh, kind of parts where you've got like the hex, hex bloods coming in and 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 finding all the parts of that world like what is is there a different process for you in creating something that's just like fun at home or even like the first campaign where you were sort of making stuff slightly as you were going right. to really try to craft like a story right like how how do you go about like trying to then fit players into a story because you know, famously, players do enjoy messing with yes, of stuff and, 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 and making you throw all your planning out the window. So, like, how did... did I mean, did that work out for you? Like, uh, did did you imagine it being longer, shorter, or... Yeah. Um, I think I... it uh, I, Kind of like I was saying before, I think I, I didn't realize that doing sort of this chase as the main adventure would mean that it was a little bit limiting as far as length. It's like, eventually, they have to get to her. And I think mm -hmm. another thing that was different in campaign one was there were more like kind of mini bosses because I was just figuring it out as I went along, which I think is mm. like a, a good thing because it gives the players like sort of an immediate goal. And I think if I could do sort of anything differently with campaign two is I, I would have maybe given another like minion that was maybe like a little lower to have been an antagonist for the first like 20 episodes or something like that and that mm. may have given me a little bit more leeway to go longer but there it got to a certain point where i was like you know the only the the real bad guys are the main bad guys so we gotta we gotta get to this we gotta get to this quick you know what i mean mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah so that was part of it but then as as far as like it being a little bit more complicated. I, I think my um, uh, planning style and everything was still very similar. It was still, it, it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Cause, cause um, 
there's still a lot of stuff you can change. That's all it all is. It's, it's exactly. All, it's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, whenever I DM them, whenever my player's like, that was sick. And I'm like, yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Making a note so I don't forget that thing I just yeah. made up on the fly. <laughs> trying to get yeah. your, like, butt to unclench from the amount of <laughs> tension you had. Trying to, like, yeah. <laughs> rein this horse in. Yeah, yeah they tried to completely bypass this awesome thing I had planned. Uh, but I just put it somewhere else. And I'm going to pretend that it was there the whole time. And I had it planned that way. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I I think like anyone who says like, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of advice sometimes where you can tell that maybe people are a a little full of it where they'll be like, yeah, you have, when you run a module, you got to read the whole book like three or four times. You need to know like all this stuff. It's just like, no, you don't. You absolutely no. do not. No, we spend most of the time on this show, I think, saying how uneasy, like how how easy our job could be. You're like, we're like, we're like, hey, we're giving you advice, but by the way, you don't really need it. Yeah, it's you fine. don't. Yeah, like it's just, just it's fine. Like, just but, make some stuff I think, up. Yeah, just make some stuff up. Yeah. Um, and I think because I think knowing the core of your world, right? Knowing what, like, and I think because uh, we had a chat uh, um, when we did the the two shots together about right. like, how. Uh, b- b- because of our, our mutual love of, of certain types of games and like the the whole kind of grim dark fantasy thing, and the fact that you kind of uh, you came in with that like as a real um, uh, like idea, like that's right. what you're kind of going the for. Aesthetic this. of campaign too. Yeah, really? aesthetic. So yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, like, the, like Dark Souls, Diablo, and yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah, I think that that's that's another reason I think that maybe it ended up being a little bit shorter than the first one where it's like I feel like maybe there's only so many ways that that um as much as I kind of love those worlds there may be it's maybe not as much fun to spend a ton of time there. Like I think, I think for Eldermorn, it was more about this like quest to find this person and then kind of the stuff you like find along the way, as opposed to being like, it's, it's not as much as like Bohemia is like, Oh, I want to get a little Hobbit house and I want to live there. And I want to <laughs> do all of the magic and everything. And Eldermorn is a little bit of like dark souls where it's a little bit like, yeah, this is rad. But, um, if I was, but I can only do like two hours this game because I'm like, my eyes are bleeding. I don't, yeah. I don't want to be eaten by a zombie. Like I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, death yeah, is I inevitable. I vacate exactly. You will eventually just... lose. Yes. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. Like even if yeah. you save the world, it's not really safe. Exactly right. Yeah, because mm. the the baseline mm. was like skeletons are just walking around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, baseline was super messed up yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like there was a whole lot to like. You should have saved the world a little while ago. Like you right. already missed the boat. Yeah, right? <laughs> you. This was designed wrong. It was. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. You took it down yeah. from by by saving the world. You took it down from like a level twenty adventure to like now it's a level five adventure. Now all you need to do is be a level five adventurer to survive. You know. Yeah, but if you're still like a towns. peasant. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, no, you're eleven done. You're done. hit points or whatever. You're so dead. You're like, done. Uh, at ten AC. Yeah, don't even think about it. Like, yeah, just stay in your house and hope for the best, and <laughs> yeah. hope you don't die of a disease or something. <laughs> the way I envision worlds like that, because I, I, I'm, uh, I really enjoy. There's a couple actually of noir games that I yeah. run, like D and D games. The it feels like in those worlds, the water level is just always rising, yeah. and all you can do is like release some of it, and it. <laughs> sinks down to another level and then hopefully you release it far enough that it'll give you time to be happy and then die and then by the time it gets high (laughs) enough again somebody else is gonna come in and like okay (laughs) yeah Uh, because it's just the the world is designed to always be bad right Mm. it's just 
Yeah, if it's mm. good now, that's actually the that's actually an anomaly. It's gonna be bad again. Don't yeah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Um, how how was that actually uh, running sort of a really dark campaign setting with a comedy oriented podcast? Like, because that must have been it's, most people wouldn't think to try and mash those two together in quite that way. Right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think uh, it was all just an experiment. And as we got into it, we kind of found our feet. And I think speaking to like what we were talking about before is just by letting the characters not have to be, you know, the chosen ones by allowing mm. them to kind of be buffoons in a way. Mm. Um, and, and also, flawed, right? Like flawed humans. Like, yeah, just, like, yeah. very obviously. Absolutely. Like uh, this, I'm not good at this. This is like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is not my jam. And there's yeah. al- there's also was something really fun about uh, fun and different about this trio of uh, w- we would talk about this in like our our after show and stuff about how the original trio were all like dumb jocks. And these these people are much more like introspective and like nerdy and they're like an, an intelligence based party. And I think mm-hmm. that's that that's the in for a horror world for a comedy show, because some you can point out the absurdity of of being like you're always going to be funnier if you're really smart in a horror movie. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think as well, they, I think, didn't all the characters in Elder One have uh, charisma as dump stats? Everyone, like, I'm pretty yeah. sure everyone had, like, really bad, either minus or zero to, like, yeah. all charisma. M had, which for, like, M had minus one, yeah. Yeah, quite, uh, quite funny, but... Yeah. I think, you know, like things like that, like, you know, you can create those contrasts, I think, that easily then create the kind of comedy and, uh, and brevity and things like that, so... Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a very interesting... Um, thing because we noticed a difference actually when emily came into outlaws and obelisks how they kind of like the you know uh it enabled like the humor to find like a, a footing and you know because emily was very like used to that kind of style and things like that and i kind of i wonder whether have you, do you i mean i don't know if you play or if you dm like any home games or anything like that that aren't explicitly you know like to be funny or to be this right or to be, and i wonder whether there's like a a difference for you and it, 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 i guess i mean the dimension 20 still pretty hilarious yeah um but like um, yeah i'm wondering whether there's a difference for you when it's like we're not explicitly trying to be funny we're just playing the game now whether there's a, a quality difference for you um no because i think even when I, I don't have as much time to play uh home games now but even when we were playing with brennan and stuff our games were always very funny like that's just kind of the nature of D. I have mm. uh, i have a hard time 
imagining a game, you know, like I, I have a hard time imagining going to a game shop and watching people play D and D and they're not being laughing at a certain point. You know what I mean? Like it's all weird. Yeah. It'd be wild. So I think like kind of no matter what, just because at the end of the day, this, this is all gambling. And so it, it, it ends up being, even if someone gives a really heartwarming speech or if they do something that they describe like really epically or, or beautifully, then if they roll a one or they fail or something, that's just always going to be funny. So I, yeah. I think that that even speaks to like why you can kind of do horror genre and have it be funny because like it, even even at its like even horror at like its most like basic thing of like you're just being like chased by a monster down the hall, failing to hide, that person is <laughs> mm-hmm. going to be funny yeah. in that moment. Like they're going to mm-hmm. panic. And it's yeah. If, they, if they're trying to hide in the like school locker room and they can't get yeah. the door open, like that's yeah. gonna be fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. So so that the kind of opportunity for failure, the the opportunity for failure at epic moments and the opportunity for success at stupid moments, uh, mm-hmm. is always gonna lead to uh, stuff being funny, even if uh, the people playing aren't comedians or they're not trying to be mm. funny. Mm. And I think if you're if you're just relaxed and being honest, I think that you will naturally find things that are funny. And just because you are, I mean, you're sat around with you know some people that you know, and hopefully that you that you like on some level. Yeah. And I think if you uh, if you're being kind of if you are just uh, you know uh, being honest and relaxing, relaxing and 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 thinking about the. You know, just like trying to really imagine and picture stuff in your mind. Like I think naturally you're always going to find levity in those oh, in, yeah. in those moments and and things like that. And so, and I think it's it is it's interesting. I think how the energy though of like different people can br- like can really heighten like stuff like the comedy or or even the drama and things like that. Like I find when I play with certain players, we we've got uh, Jonathan Charles who plays in our in Outlaws and Obelisks, who is just like the master at drama when he's like as a player. Mm. Like it, you know when you play with him in nearly every single game I've ever played with him, every four sessions or so, I end up crying. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he's just like so good at kind of building these moments and these and these tensions. And then to have like Emily come in and was just like, oh my God, it was like, I was suddenly like, I was crying with laughter nearly every, you know, few, you know, every half an hour or something. <laughs> right. Even in moments, you know, uh, where it was, you know, it's like brutal had just happened or something. You know, we were able to find like moments of levity. It was very interesting that like, there's different energies that came into the... There, um, there was a point at which the single funniest scene in the series, oh I believe, word. followed the single most dramatic scene in the oh, entire series. Yeah, one happen. featuring Johnny, the next one featuring Emily. Oh my God. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was wild. Oh, that was, that I was, fell out of my chair something. laughing. So he did. Got to listen, <laughs> he disappeared out of the Zoom. <laughs> I literally disappeared out of the Zoom, and I was trying so hard to like not because I know that like rustling and, yeah. and doing stuff with my chair and all that is just like so unhelpful for the editor. But I I just could not keep my uh, keep my shit together. So that was a very very fun experience. Yeah. No. A- a- Emily does with her character. She does as much prep as like a DM would do. N- mm. Not just in. Uh, not just in the mechanics of it, but just into like how they fit into the world and everything. And you definitely, you hear that with our second campaign with Eldermorn and um, this character that she created, uh, who's got all these like sentient books and stuff. And she found a way to be very funny in sort of a like Wednesday Adams way in like this, like kind Mm -hmm. of haunted child way. So she, she very much found a way to like, even though the world is kind of grim, it's still 
got this uh, at at the center of it. The characters very much are still silly, but in sort of more of like a uh, you know a goth way. I guess is a way to yeah. put it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she she finds a way of baking the character in, right? Like, yeah. To really, like the character is just so a part of that world, almost like, and I think it fit the kind of style of the campaign so well. Almost like if you were just scanning through the world, you almost like wouldn't notice her character because she, she like she, she belongs the, there. The, yeah. The fit, you know, the yeah. The, the, the yeah, exactly. She belongs there. It's not this like chosen one where you'd be like, oh my gosh, who is this <laughs> person coming over the hill and they're surrounded by sheaths of light and you know, uh, and so I think that's quite an interesting. Um, uh, thing and I actually I guess to flip because we've spoken a lot about you as a as a DM mm. but like as a player how does that uh, process go for you in terms of like how much do you enjoy building a character that is uh, mechanically awesome mm. how much do you like fitting into the world um, like yeah and because I guess you're flipping probably quite a lot right like you're, you're the, it's uh, it's interesting in Be, the the dimension 20 stuff we end up like bulk recording that stuff a lot so when I'm mm. doing d20 it's like long days and uh we're kind of doing it back to back so I'm playing a lot mm. of d20 and then I don't play for a while and then I play a lot of d20 and then I don't play for a while <laughs> and that sure, nad pod is just kind of like consistent um so it is always it, it is always fun to be a player and stuff and I think I do when I play I still come at it from like a dm's perspective of even if I'm playing like a shithead or something I'm still I'm still doing the dm smoke and mirrors thing of being like I'm still going to be helpful, but I'm just going to mm. do it in like a dumb voice or I'm going to, you yeah. know, <laughs> like I'm always going to be a DM's pet. That's kind of, and, and because I have so much kind of control in NADPOD is like DMing and stuff. I, I like to, when I play, play a character who's more like a bodyguard who's, or is more somebody who's mm. kind of just like in the background. Like, not that there are main characters necessarily in like D20 seasons, but like I sometimes there are characters whose whose stories like you know like pete and kingston in unsleeping city they Mm. kind of like their stuff their personal stories kind of feed a little bit more into the main plot and i'm kind of i'm i'm happy to kind of exist on kind of the outside there Mm. and be like the you know uh the, the the background dude a little bit which, by the way, if I was wearing a hat, I would take it off. Uh, Cody Night Angel Walsh, Walsh is one of my all-time <laughs> favorite characters in any actual play thing I've ever listened to. Thank you. Uh, it was like the perfect marriage of character and player because you play you play such a good obnoxious douchebag. Yeah. Like all of the oh, characters in Nadpod yeah. that are yeah. just these horribly this, obnoxious this people. Yeah. As soon as Cody showed up, I was like. It's appeared. He's doing it. He's done it. He's, He's doing it, everyone. Come, watch. He's doing it. Yeah, this is a legit question, though, because some of the characters that you managed to pull off in NADPOD are truly... Yeah. Like, I don't know how you make them so unbelievably <laughs> unlikable, yet I desperately want them to show up. Right. The, 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 the dwarves, like, all of the, like, kid dwarves from... Um, uh, I can't even remember the name of the, the city. Uh, Zelboldar uh, Frost- or Frostwind, which 
ever watched. Yes, I, yeah, I think uh, yeah, but I bike there were teenagers in both. The, yeah, who, yeah, true. Yeah. Who yeah. beat oh, man, up just, Caldwell essentially? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that the all time <laughs> one of my favorite Caldwell moments ever. I was absolutely crying at that. But yeah, how how do you do it? Like, do you feel like you've just watched a lot of douchebags in your time? Yeah, like... for sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that I, I think that one thing I kind of realized uh, as we were playing is that. Players tend to hate annoying characters more than they hate evil ones. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, Sephiroth is cool. You know what I mean? Like, these, like, cool dudes with swords and silver hair who are just being like, and when the prophecy comes true. Like, that dude rules. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you're just this sniveling little character who's like, I've come to destroy you, (laughs) and (laughs) that's always going to (laughs) make... Your character, your players more upset is to be. I was just thinking. I think the only I listened to the one shot recently, the live one you did in uh, in I think it was in New York that you yeah in New York yeah we just did a recent Uh, uh, show in New York. yeah, well, you, had a, you had a guest on there, uh, and uh, I think like, you're the only person that manages to top you for playing. Oh yeah, like the most annoying, uh, <laughs> worst douchebag ever. Um, but I think that's a, like that's a genuinely good point because sculpting your NPCs for this purpose is one of the things that I still struggle with. Nearly every single character I feel like I made for a long stretch when I first started DMing. If I was like, if they were earnest, if they were true, if they were like the the like the 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 Aragorn of this world, yeah, my players would roll insight check after insight check after <laughs> insight check because like the this kind of pure virtuosity, this you know, I it, it, like everyone's like, no, I don't buy this, I don't right. buy this yeah. guy is that good, <laughs> um, and then equally, if you had like a, a, a bad guy who was like a pure bad guy, I'm like, man, this guy's kind of cool, he's kind of got a point, right? You know what I mean? He's kind of got a point, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, no, 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 this right. is all the wrong yeah. way. I think you kind of nailed it with that. Um, a and also it suits. I think it suits the the style of the show and everything really, really well. Um, the whole vest scene. That's all I'm going to say. Oh my yeah. god! Again, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely died listening to yeah. that. That was insane because Emily just <laughs> she literally just said that for no yeah. reason. <laughs> Wasn't that the same battle as put your ass in the box? Yeah. 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 Oh my It was yeah, that was one of the funniest fights that I had no idea that it was gonna be that funny. Cause at that point it was like they were this was um in campaign one, we had Zach and Siobhan on, and we were mm. I was I was running multiple like demon lord fights like back to back. And I was like, oh, this will be like the final confrontation. And then Emily calls out <laughs> the vest and then the box with like the sphere of annihilation in it. Everyone's just yelling at each other to put their ass in the box. <laughs> and then, yeah, the vest comes out of nowhere. I remember listening to the short it's rest. And you, I think you listened back to it and you were like, the thing is. You mentioned the vest, and I think I missed it, so I didn't stop it. And then everyone just like went for the vest. Like this, this big band that I'd set up had this stupid vest on and was super insecure about it. Um, but, but genuinely, I think it's, it's such a good bit of advice when it comes to sculpting npcs is like just to really think like work out when those first few sessions who like drop some npcs into town and figure out who pushes your players buttons yeah you know i mean who really gets <laughs> them like riled up back. 
Because honestly, as soon as I do like, oh, hello there, it is me. Like my home gamer, like I want to slit his throat. Like yeah. as soon as it's like this hoity-toity posh mayor of the town, whatever, it's immediate. Like I will kill them even if they turn out to be like the most altruistic <laughs> person I've ever met in my life. Right, yeah. You know, but I do like... Uh, you know, a little like cockney peasant lad. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hello there, governor. They c- he could literally put a knife in their back, and they'd be like, oh, don't worry, come here. You're <laughs> yeah, like, right. What? Yeah. You know, so I think sussing out what your players like and how they react to stuff is is invaluable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like very useful. Very useful. Thing to and I, I think <laughs> that that also comes from a place of like everyone's gonna be a lot more mad if they get their ass kicked by a character that's maybe a little silly or like mm-hmm. has like a high status voice like that or something they're going to be way more mad than if they get their ass kicked by like you know a really cool necromancer or sephiroth yeah they're like yeah. of course sephiroth killed me he rules that's awesome <laughs> yeah. theme song this is amazing yeah. this, this is awesome this is the the natural proceeding of things yeah, I, uh, of course i'm surprised i didn't immediately see him and give up <laughs> i've been um, put in my place this is yeah please punish me yeah thank you i tried to join him and you wouldn't let me um. <laughs> yeah, that's also the part of the front. Like, genuinely, I've had that several yeah. times. And I'm like, can I? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Like, you're going to turn into a. a, a... Actually, a Jeremy has a fun story about, yeah, the, 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 the vampire or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. In yeah. one of the first games I was ever in, actually, the, it, I kept rolling Nat 20s and basically found out that the main. I cracked the whole campaign in, like, episode. In session, like, three. And but because I felt because it was also like I was playing r- roughly the first time it was the DM's first campaign so th- I, oh, no. it was rough and I basically <laughs> got all the way to finding out that the guy who had hired us all to do this job was actually the big bad and he was a vampire and so I was like having never really encountered a vampire in D and D before I was like cool and I just pulled my shirt down and was like here. Right here. And so he turned me into a vampire in like section four or something. And then then the poor DM is trying to figure out how to like scale vampire abilities with like my my PC so that I'm not massively overpowered. There was no uh, reborn or Dampir or anything like that uh, uh, then. So that would have been a struggle for sure. (laughs) I'm I'm curious. um, When you are going into a campaign, obviously with NADPOD, the baseline is comedy. Right. Uh, At what point, like, are you intentionally trying, or here's a better way to put it Mm -hmm. when you introduce drama into the story are you trying to introduce drama specifically uh are you trying to pace it out in terms of like okay the Mm. audience have had enough of this or are you going like look look this is the way the character stories are going for example uh the the fateful moment where hard one fails the perception check in in Mm. campaign one right uh was that yeah was that aiming at jake or like, like I want to affect Jake in this moment? Or were you thinking like, ah, oh, the audience could really use a big twist here oh, and interesting. sticking in some drama mm. that way? Mm. I, I think that stuff is, uh, I think that stuff ends up being session to session of like, I try to pace out the sessions and make sure I'm not giving too many speeches, that it's not too like heavy. Um, and, and Maybe less, I, I think less maybe about the pacing of the thing overall, because try to do like a little bit of everything. And I think kind of what ends up happening is I, I do, I, I, I don't really try to make my characters 
super, super funny. Like it ends up with, there's moments like the vest with Akarat where it's just like, Mm -hmm. once your player gives you that, then you can kind of lean into it. But with the exception of like Galad, who like kind of had a goofy voice to start Mm -hmm. with, but even he was coming from like, I wasn't trying to be super funny with him. That was more of just like this paladin of the light is actually completely full of shit. This like, but this mm. this mm-hmm. is this caricature of a knight in shining armor. So like, even though he is a little bit of like a cartoon character, he was still in there for like a quasi serious reason of being like the bad guys of this campaign are gonna look like the good guys that you saw in storybooks. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I think I think I go into it just being like, I'm just gonna do kind of serious stuff. Let the players be the funny ones, and in like the uh sillier moments we just go with it and we keep the laughs rolling and in the more serious moments we can kind of all we just follow each other's leads of being like Mm. this character's having a moment right now let's give them some space to breathe and not be jumping all over them with jokes um or they'll know i'm setting up something that's like a big twist and they'll kind of you know uh uh sit back and like react to that as opposed to like you know playing with the scene dressing or whatever because that easily mm. could have been that scene where uh, uh Gemma died in in season one um that was set up as kind of an encounter so she could have survived so that wasn't even necessarily set up to be there's a there's a world where that becomes this very funny bumbling scene of like hard one mm. like wrestling with a assassin and then gets caught out on a balcony with his ex-girlfriend and he's like trying to make excuses why they're alone Uh, and uh you know there's a there's a world where where that episode is just silly you know what i mean Mm, yeah Mm. i think genuinely one of the reasons why like we end up referencing nadpod i feel like a lot on this show and i think genuinely one of the reasons and definitely one of the reasons why i've loved listening to it so much is it feels like um one of the things we always preach on this show is that like the players have just as much agency and should have just as much agency as the DM in terms of like really like forming like this kind of narrative together and like all pulling in the same direction, all wanting the kind of most rich story to be told. And I think that like, it's one of those shows where that's so obvious. Like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely like, you know, critical role is fantastic for a lot of reasons, but there are, I think a lot of times where it feels very much like this is Matt's world and Mm -hmm. these are people in it, which Mm -hmm. is a a perfectly valid way to do it. But for like me and my taste, like I love that sensation of really being in a uh, collective space and holding that collective space and knowing that I, as the DM can like kind of throw the baton to you and that you will take that and run with it and and enrich my thing and turn that into a better thing and 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 like you know like you said like push the joke further or right. push the drama further or mm-hmm. you know whatever it is like i can trust you to do that and i don't have to worry that you're going to take that bat and do a luke skywalker at the beginning of uh, the the whatever the last jedi and just throw it over your shoulder like meh you know what i mean yeah so uh i think it, like I, I for that for that reason i think it's uh, one of the reasons why I think the show uh, uh, works really, really well, and and I and I, I'd like to hope that, you know a lot of the f- positive feedback we've had on our actual plays has been for a similar reason because we, uh, yeah, I think always enjoy that sensation of of pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Is, is that something conscious? Do you think for you guys, or or is that just like uh, like comedy training? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably the same thing with um with you guys in in that like I I think it's one of the advantages of a smaller table. I think like 
with bigger tables, there's a lot of advantages there too of like you get a lot of like inner party stuff where, mm. you know, you have enough people there where the there are times when like the, you know, with it's like in like D20 and like critical role and stuff, there are long stretches of time where like the DM doesn't even have to talk because mm. there are so mm. many characters there that you can do like just everybody kind of sitting around a campfire and they can do this like kind of dynamic scene. It, and um, that's a little bit harder to do with a small party. But yeah. one of the cool things with a small party is like what you're saying is that like it's small enough that the it's not too many cooks in the kitchen as far as world building. Like people can, um, you know, literally make up their own backstories. And even if like in campaign one, Emily fully built the crick. Like that is just mm -hmm. like one of the players just built a town in the world. Um, and, uh, Bev or, or Caldwell built, um, uh, Beverly's entire like scout troop thing and everything. Hard one came up with the idea of the dwarfinage and, you know, with like a small party, you're kind of able to build the entire world around your character's backstories and it doesn't become too much of a burden. Cause I think if you were trying to do that with six or seven people, that world would start getting very yeah. inconsistent. You know what yes. I mean? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there'd be a lot of conflicting ideas. I yeah. think people like introducing... Yeah, Speaking of Critical Role, that was in campaign one towards the beginning when they had eight players. Yeah. There was yeah. the eighth player. One of the issues with that player was that they kept trying to be like, I'm going to call my parents and have them send the entire army over. Right. So just solve this problem. It was like, nope, <laughs> yeah. please stop saying that you can do that. Uh, that's not <laughs> true. Uh, we're not that, going to have yeah. that happen. We are yeah. not. I, was I, think actually, I actually oh, remember there's a, a, no, it's a complete tangent. I was, I remember that a time where Matt was trying to appease, like, yeah, it's just going to take them a while to get here. Uh, like, trying to. <laughs> Could be a few weeks to muster the forces. And yeah, then a like, couple and, like, months to get all the food together and roll send me a D100. Uh, you get that many horses? Uh, like, yeah, for sure. Definitely trying to wing that. But sorry, you had a legitimate question. Um, I was wondering because I don't think. Maybe we talked to Zach about it, but I don't remember. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically the whole of the College Humor crew were improv trained, like UCB. Did, yeah. Were pretty much all of you guys? Yeah, pretty most of us. So, some more than others. I'm probably one of the least uh, involved in the theater, or I was before... Uh, now a bunch of the theaters have uh, gone out of business and stuff, so it's it's not as big of a thing as it used to be. But I I think I did the first like three or four levels of it. But e Emily and Zach and Siobhan um, and Brennan um, mm -hmm. and at, literally and Lou, literally everyone but me <laughs> was like I I took classes and uh, did like the very baseline stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And but they were all like very involved in the theater. Um, okay. But I, I, uh, I that that stuff I think is is very helpful because particularly with um, you know like one of the things you learn in improv is not to force being funny is to like if there's a serious moment in a scene just go with it go you know mm. go where it's going you don't have to fight it to try to get every single little laugh that you can because yeah, yeah. it's going to end up feeling cheap and it's not you're not going to be able to sell it and that is that is very helpful for you know D D of of if i hadn't done that if 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 we didn't have that background 
I, I think it would have been very easy to, you know, sell yourself out in, in scenes that could be uh, serious or could be poignant or something. It'd be very easy to just make a dumb joke and just deflate mm. the whole thing. Um, mm. And and I think, I think like, you know, actual comedy training is, is helpful for that reason, for sure. Yeah. I was going to say listening to, uh, I guess the, the, all the D20 stuff and then certainly NADPOD, it definitely has a, a different feel in terms of like the pace, in terms of like the way the humor comes about in contrast to most other games, such as like Critical Role as an example, which there's often many, many laughs, mm -hmm. but it's not in the same mm -hmm. way. It's like it comes off in that like just some people hanging out and they're like, ah, yeah, you know, your classic D&D. &D. We're having fun right. playing a game. Whereas with you guys, there's a clear like, ah, yes. I know how to go into this situation. And like you guys are play, well, for example, the vest situation right. that to me is something that would not have worked in another, right. in another group with people who hadn't been trained that way. Yeah. And I, I think too, that that kind of speaks to like, like there are so many, um, there's so many shows out there. And I think what's, what's really cool is that uh, kind of everyone does have their own style. Cause I think like we tend to have our, our episodes are a lot shorter than like a critical role or a dimension 20 or whatever, but it ends up being, uh, it, it, it ends up feeling kind of structured like a TV show. Um, mm. And then, whereas mm. like, if you're in, if you're listening to like Critical Role or something, there is this very, there is this very exciting sense of like, oh, I'm, I'm really listening to D and I'm really listening to D and D right now, and this could go, uh, this could go really uh, poorly for the party. This could go really great for the party, and it really feels like, like anything can happen. And then there's the the other side of it where if you're us, where you're like an edited show or something like that, where it's like our advantage is that we we get to um almost you know uh, put the show into like acts it's almost like mm. it's got like you get a, to curate the show a little it's a bit. pay you know, it's a, a it a right bit. there's yeah. a pace to it and mm. you know i i think i i wouldn't be great at doing um just like a kind of classic game and just letting it letting it roll you know that's <laughs> not that's not yeah. as much that's not as much my strong suit but i think i I, I love all of it. I think it's it's all, um, mm. and I, I think that's what uh, you know. I, I think a lot of times DMs uh, in their home games and stuff will listen to people who do it for a living, and they're like, "Oh, I want to be, uh, I want to be able to do it like this person, or my players expect me to be like this person." And I would give yeah. the advice as to that: like, people should find their strengths and yep. really play to those. Because even like you know, I'm not great at voices. I like I, I I'm I can do voices like funny ones, but I'm very bad at like accents and stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. like you play with Brennan and Brennan can just it'll just be like and you walk into this room and uh, Brennan was not expecting this. But here is a shopkeeper with an Irish accent who has a beautiful little backstory that mm -hmm. I can't do that. You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. try to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you yeah. don't, you don't, you just don't have to take that swing. If, if you can't do that, uh, mm. you can kind of play to your strengths. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I, 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 I definitely feel that. I know I am, 
I know my strengths as a DM. Like, I think my strengths as a DM is improvising. Like, I genuinely right. think that when I'm in it and I'm live and I'm with my players and we're riffing, I feel like that's when my best things happen. And I find quite often the sessions, unless it's a combat, I find that is really good for me. Like, I really enjoy, like, laying out a combat and really yeah. knowing all the mechanics so I can more seamlessly kind of pull it off. But, like, in terms of, like, the other stuff, like, I actually find it, harder like when we just do, if we just do like an rp session i find it harder to just uh uh to run a session because i'm like ah, oh, but oh, we're kind of there and we're kind of jumping to here and then i kind of i get myself into a a point where i'm focusing more on what i've written down in my notes right than like what my players are saying or the things they've picked up on and whereas like generally if i'm just in the flow and doing it and so i think it's i think i would absolutely agree like finding out those little and I, th- I would go even a step further and say not even what you're just you're good at, but what you enjoy. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. if you, like me, find planning, it makes you anxious because you sit there and go, oh, but the endless, infinite possibilities hurt my brain. Then, like, it's fine to go in with, like, a loose structure and then, you know, find your way with your players. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's that's valid. Mm-hmm. And, and then and there's, like, a, a, a infinite uh, approaches, I think, that you could take. Yeah. But, like, finding something that you enjoy so that you as a DM get something out of it as well, I think is so important. Because I think if you don't get anything out of it as a DM... Because I know some DMs, or I've I've spoken to some DMs before, who are just like, yeah, I just DM. Yeah, you know? they're doing like, it like it's like, a charity, and it's yeah, like, no, like, you're yeah, also playing on. the game. This is the fun yes. part. Yeah. Everyone's supposed to be having fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, unless you're playing with Emily Axford, in which case your life is stress. Uh, <laughs> she which... will destroy you. <laughs> she will break you. Uh, she makes characters to break you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that yeah people should play to their strengths and do the things that they think are fun, you know? And uh, I'm kind of same as you, Jasper, in that like, I really love running combat. So we tend to have more combat than maybe other shows do. um, Mm -hmm. And that's just because that's kind of what I gravitate towards. And, you know, there's... And your players too. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think that like I think all of your players, you know, Emily loves making a, yeah. a badass character. I exactly. think Jake is you know, loves swinging them. Yeah. He loves being a meathead and yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so it fits. It fits. Some um, tables are gonna be more role play heavy, some tables are gonna be, you know, doing more combat and things like that. And I think it's just about uh, you know, do, doing doing whatever you want to do and playing your strengths. Hell yeah. Um, Absolutely. No, you. Yeah, oh, okay, you okay. To, I was gonna ask. <laughs> well, gotta... it, we, we don't have tons and tons of time, but I was curious uh, if if you had if you wanted to talk a little bit about this. I'm mm-hmm. very curious. Uh, you you mentioned combat is one of your favorite things. Yeah. How do you approach combat? Like running combat, inserting combat into a story. What's uh, what what are some uh, what are some tips? Little some tips. Brian Murphy tips. Mm. Yeah, that you might a be hot able to hot Murph tip. I don't like it. I don't like it when I say it. No, not a hot Murph tip. No. (laughs) (laughs) I wear the hot Murph nug, and I don't feel any better about it. No frosted tips. Yeah, there we go. Frosted tips, or is that worse? That's a little better. Is that better? (laughs) That's a little bit better. Um, I don't know if it is. It's just a sugary version. Yeah, like or early two thousands, depending on like early two thousands hair. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking Smash Mouth hair. Yeah. Oh, okay. I could definitely imagine uh, Murph with some, with some, with some of that. <laughs> Give us some hot, tips, gooey tips, Murph. Yeah, Give there them. we go. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst. Please. Um, I, I think in, in, in campaign one, uh, as we would get to some of these like big boss battles, I would try to do 
you know, more cinematic fights where there would really be like big landscape changes and stuff like on certain initiatives. It'd be like, you guys are on this mountain and there's an avalanche and this happens at initiative 20 and this happens at initiative 10, but also you're fighting people and it, it very much feels like an action movie. Um, and in campaign two, I've kind of taken that same philosophy towards just all combat of being like trying to make kind of everything dynamic. So it's not just you sit there and everybody swings their swords and we see who goes down first. Cause that can feel like a slog. So it's like, yeah. it doesn't, everything does not have to be end of the world meteors falling down. Mm. Um, it can be just like you're running through a tomb. There are skeletons chasing you and it's a chase encounter. And instead of it being, you know, you're sitting there and you're swinging at them, you're trying to get away. And at every uh, like initiative 20 or something, there's a new trap that they have to avoid, or there mm. are enemies that are faster that they have to fight or something like that. Like, um, I think I, I draw a lot of inspiration from lair actions of just, because mm. that, that's kind of what originally gave me the idea for doing more kind of dynamic sets for combat um, is this idea that like, uh, oh, the, these powerful creatures, they can affect the world around them. So not only do they fight, but other stuff happens. And um, that sort of led me to being like, well, let's let's pull that logic and let's say you don't need a dragon to do this. It could just be you're on a train. And when you're on a, you know, you're, you're it's Final Fantasy VII, you're running on top of a train and fighting mm -hmm. somebody. And um, there's going to be certain challenges that come with that. So in addition to the dudes you're fighting... At every initiative, you know, like you go into a tunnel and you have to yeah. at every initiative 20, you go into a tunnel, you have to dive down uh, at initiative 10. Uh, the train starts to break and you have to do a deck saving throw. You might fall off or things like that. That mm -hmm. to me uh, always makes combat more interesting than just swinging at somebody like really picturing it as a movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think the foundation of D&D, &D, right, is unpredictability, right? Like, right. the whole point of using dice is that there is a uh, a random chaos element thrown in. And so I feel like there's um, it, then accentuating that, I think, with the surroundings, with the environment, and with what the uh, a, a creature can do is only ever going to serve to make it more more of the thing like more D&D yeah. &D. um mm. like I always feel like I always try to throw in a bit of a chaos element you know like much like you were saying then like something that could move or shift like I remember I always used to be obsessed with uh did you ever play the Soul Calibur game yes of course and you could like uh punch someone so hard you'd like uh, go mm. into like a different arena yes or you'd like go through the floor or like you'd, you'd you'd go into like the 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 nether realm or something you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I always thought like that is that the kind of how I love the idea of combats like the 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 you know, I always think, like, if you're in a tavern, set it on fire, because it just becomes so much more fun and chaotic yeah. when suddenly you're like, oh, I've got to avoid it, pockets of fire. Yeah. Every round it's getting worse, and there's smoke, and there's this. And I just think it just builds more of a... And the thing for me, it builds more of a picture in my head. It, it yeah. gives me more fun to, to, to imagine into, especially if we're doing theater of the mind, instead mm -hmm. of it just being, like, kind of uh, runescape, you know, if you've played yeah, that, where you just course. kind of, like, swing yeah. Uh, yeah, your minus axe five, and just five, minus watch, five, minus five, minus five, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like instead of it being like that, you're it, you're now in this like you said this like cinematic kind of uh, diving all over the place, wielding uh, your your spells and your swords and everything. So yeah, yeah always always fun to throw in uh, chaos elements uh, uh, like that for sure. Yeah, um, I'm very very conscious of the time. So 
the last thing that we always do with all of our guests is we ask for a tale from the table. So this could be uh, a a story um, that uh, could have happened at a home game. It could mm. be on D20, on NADPOD, whatever it is. But it's something wild uh, that sticks in your mind. It can be heartfelt. It can be emotional. It can be wild and ridiculous. It can be... Uh, you know, someone calling your bad guy the best, whatever you want to do. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a home game where um, th- the player, M was playing with me, and then it was a bunch of uh, my friends from, from home, from, from New Jersey, that um, uh, we would play over Zoom, and occasionally we'd go home for holidays and stuff, we'd play with them. So we had a crew um, that had been, we played for a while, and they were in sort of like this like frigid north area with all these like frost giants and everything so there was this like adventure that they went on where um there's one frost giant was like getting beat up by the other frost giants and stuff um but he was also still like kind of a shithead (laughs) like he was just like (laughs) this like meathead um but they were able to like align themselves with him um uh and they had this like frost giant that went around with them for a little bit that was built just for a particular encounter that I had planned like for the next session, which was like this big, there was like going to be this attack on the city and like the frost giant was going to like help them out in sort of just like a lair action way. Mm. Um, I try to kill the frost giant in like a sacrificial way during the battle. Doesn't happen. Emily saves him. Mm, Emily is a cleric and just keeps healing him. And anytime I'm, <laughs> and anytime I'm like, just go on without me. She's like, I'm. I literally will not leave with you. Literally, <laughs> they can kill all of us. I will not leave without you. So then, he survives. Right. So I'm like, cool, happy ending. This is all done. The next leg of the adventure involves them going through these caverns. So we'll do like a goodbye, like, hey, sorry, I'm a frost giant. Can't fit in there. Uh, (laughs) See you guys later. And all of the players just go like, no, you know what? We're not going to go in the cave. And I'm like, (laughs) but that's that's where you have that's where you have to go. That's where that's where all the stuff is. That's where the underground passage is to the, to the next city. And you guys have to go there. And they're like, well, what else? What else can we do? Where can we go with him? And I'm like, I guess you can just wander off into the frozen tundra. Like you can just go off and maybe die. And they're like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. And so then I had to base an adventure. It, it, it ceased to be this big sort of like epic thing of where they're getting to the next place and getting to the next place. And then it became a survival campaign for a while of just them and this frost giant camping in the tundra (laughs) and i had to i had to build a whole adventure around him where essentially there was like a society he was the chosen one (laughs) literally the only way i was able to get rid of this dude was to i built an they climbed a mountain they got to the top and there were like cloud giants and basically like in order for them to get the help that they needed for some other thing, they needed like a giant on this council of like decision makers. I had to build a whole giant like Senate to get rid of this dude, to get rid of this dude. So they had to like, 
they did this like fight to get rid of one of the guys that like was like n- not voting to help the humans or something and then they were able to like install their giant in to like tip the vote it was like this weird political theater of uh just literally because they wouldn't go in a cave and they're just like i'd rather wander off into the tundra than leave behind our cool frost giant friend you yeah. are, you truly know that you are off the rails when you go into like full political systems <laughs> out of like a normal quest game. Yeah, yeah just yeah, to yeah, yeah. political drama. Just to just to get this dude out of the party because I'm like you Frost-wing. can't ha- you can't have a frost giant in your party. I just can't let yeah, you do this. Yeah, and they're like, I'm I'm sorry, you gave him to us. He's our friend. And yep. e- even if I try to even if I try to kill him, they're like, I will lay down my life for him. Like we yeah. are, he is my best friend. I, I have a I have a similar issue at the moment where uh, I got my players to uh, the first time I've ever done it, uh, and a cool little tip I'd advise it. It was very fun. I got my, uh, they all started out on a on a ship on a pirate boat, and I got them to create NPCs that they knew uh, for like a little bit of time. So they they rolled uh, like random uh, the, like race, and then they would just decide on the spot like, oh, they're this, and I've known them for this long, and da 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 da. And now we have a situation where Erdl, the cabin turtle. So he's yep. like a little cabin boy uh, yeah. who does like all the cleaning and mopping and stuff. Um, and he's just this really small, young turtle. Uh, he just goes everywhere. The, the yep. turtle, the cabin boy is just now everywhere. And I am like, guys, he has like 11 HP. <laughs> Admittedly, he has a decent armor class because he's a turtle. Right. But like, I'm like so mm. deathly afraid of killing this thing because they're going to go wild <laughs> if I kill him. It's just oh, like. Dude, you got to kill him. I know, yeah, you right? That's the thing. Him. That they're baiting me to do it, and they always right. say do they're it. not. And I'm like, dude, dudes, if you leave, like, if you leave him on the ship, the ship will be <laughs> fine because you need to get off the island. I'm not going to be that cruel to like make you swim. You know what I mean? So the ship, <laughs> you know, the ship will be fine. But you know, so you gotta you gotta kill him, and then if they bring him back, have him be like, "Please stop doing this. That was the worst experience I've ever had." <laughs> please let I me could die. Not yeah, just please <laughs> let me let me stay on the ship. I was happy when I was on the ship. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I feel the pain. I feel the pain very real. But uh, Brian. Murphy, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a pleasure to get to talk to you today uh, about uh, about all these wonderful things. And uh, hope, I think there was quite a lot of uh, DM tips in there. That was nice. That was, yeah, that was thank- a good pearls of wisdom in there. Thank so, you. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. I love talking to no, you guys about, about D&D. It was yeah. very, very cool. And uh, yeah, long may the, the 3BH NADPOD crossover continue. Yes, mm. yes, yes. It seems Much to more to come. A- Much more to come, certainly. <laughs> Uh, mm. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so, uh, speaking of, uh, where can we find more of your stuffs on the internet? Um, you maybe know? some Twitter that you may or may or not use. Yeah, not as much of a Twitter guy these days. Uh, I would just say, just listen to NADPOD. Uh, if if you're not already checking it out, check it out. Our, all our socials are NADDPOD, um, and then just search Not Another D&D <sighs> Podcast. Don't sing yet. Uh, on um, uh, whatever it is, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Nice. And if you do listen to both shows, you can uh, take the adorned title that I ra- I chose for the patrons, mm. uh, for people, uh, for patrons, for the people on Discord who came over from Nadpod, which is Nadlings. I mean, yes. who doesn't want to be a little Ooh. Nadling? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, Nadling so nation continues to grow. It does. We have so many on our like uh, on on our Discord. It's truly wild. That's uh, amazing. We have, we've had all of you guys on the show. So uh, shout out to all the Nadlings that are listening to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> the rubber-faced uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Gross. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. That's what they all the nadlings look like. They're tadpoles, but with your silicon faces <laughs> sort of stretched. The, over the, the fact that the rubber makes it so much worse. Yeah. Truly, it I'm really imagining does. now that they were actual tadpoles that had their tails removed and then oh. were just attached to the. Oh, that makes so. The reason so they're rubbery worse. is because they're amphibians. Mm. They're, they're, they're that weird rubbery amphibian. Is this like skin. some genetic splicing to get yeah. the faces on them and everything? Oh man. Oh, that's that's so so not okay. Um, but if you have enjoyed this and you want to find more of our stuff, you can check us out uh, on the social medias at TB Halflings. We're also on Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash TB Halflings. We're doing merch. It's really, really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. You can even, uh, we need to check this out more often, you can get some of the incredible soundtracks that was made by Jonathan Charles for all of our characters by uh, for as little as one pound or one dollar on our tip jar. And you just get music for free, like basically for free go get it yep. go check it out um but this has been very fun i think that's everything i don't think there's anything else that we, we have we've started do. plugging our socials oh lately. yeah we have oh, all, yeah. We have our, jasper all tell, tell them where you are on twitter i'm on twitter at jw underscore cartwright yeah and i'm at jeremy cobb one that's cobb with two b's Cobb with two Bs. And you know what? Screw it. I will never stop plugging this because it was very, very cool. Go and check out the two-shot I did over on Nadpark. I was, was about dope. to say uh, the same hey. thing. Search, <laughs> search Bohemia yeah. two-shot to see the ultimate uh, crossover. Yeah, no, a wild, wild adventure was, was indeed had. Uh, but mm. on that note, we will uh, see you next week. So long, Shire Folk. So long, Shire Folk. So long, Shire Folk. Halflings, it is about that time that we thank some extra special people who signed up to our Patreon and to shower you with all of our Halfling thanks. Uh, we appreciate you so much being on the Patreon. It is the main uh, way that we fund this show and keep bringing you awesome content and are able to do awesome stuff like Outlaws and Obelisks. So if you want to see more stuff like that, then please feel free to check out our Patreon. And if you're already a patron, thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do and thank you for being here. So without further ado, I would like to say a huge thank you to... Ethan Pollard, Lindsay Watson, Liam Datwani, Hartswell, Kendra Carson, Connor Murphy, Dr. Kate, Grumpius, Grumpius? Grumpius. I kind of love that one. Uh, Amelia Lombardi. That is a great name. Wow. Well done. Prowsy. Uh, we have uh, Genonbort, Chenil, David. Oliver Orgerton, Paul McHugh, Undead Raccoon, Felix N. Garcia Jr. Epic. So epic. Uh, Devon Waldbilling. Waldbilling. Nice name, my dude. Nice name. Clay Walden, Joe H. Uh, we have Kavanagh Golka, Flo Ramirez, Buff Venom. Why not? Why wouldn't you want buff venom? You know? Why would you have skinny venom when you could have buff venom? Uh, Alea. Xavier? Zav uh, <laughs> Hilarious. Xavier. M. Peterman. Love that. Henry Frank. Reach Cypress. Kit Forks. Ben Dorian. And Jeep Geek. Thank you so much for being and choosing to become patrons of our little show. We hope that you enjoy all the content that is here. And, as always, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. So long, shy folk. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>